I'm Kimberly C. Paul. Today we talk with Rebecca Sidori. She's a physician, a professor, and a researcher in the field of advanced care planning. Her mission is to make the medical information more understandable to patients and families through her website called Prepare. How do we become the architect of our own destiny? Throughout two decades of working with the dying, I think I've discovered the secrets to dying well in America. We must learn to build the pathways to our last chapter, to create the blueprints that reflects our individual lives and values. Knowledge is power, and if we desire a death that reflects our life, we must become the designer. Well, I can't tell you how much I appreciate taking time out of your busy day to come and talk to me about a project that I think has come from your heart, which is called Prepare. You're a physician and a professor at the University of California, San Fran, but it also seems like you have passion for research, which what is interesting is that it's about advanced care planning research. So talk to me a little bit about your experience. Yeah, well, it was sort of a journey, I will say. Um, I think my my main interest is really in designing, um, testing, and then getting out to the public health education information that is easy to understand and helps people make informed decisions. And this whole um, interest sort of started way back when I was in medical school and working, um, we have a, a student-run homeless clinic and helping to put together some of those clinics and realizing that we just didn't have the resources and information to give to patients that they could understand. And we were having our patients come back, you know, not being treated, being very sick because they couldn't read the instructions that were given to them. And I became interested way back then sort of thinking, well, you know, this just isn't okay. We have to sort of provide things to people that they can understand. And I started getting interested in something called health literacy and started working with our San Francisco public library who had an adult literacy program and learned some just some basic um, tools and principles about how we can make complex medical or legal information easier for people. So I started doing that and then sort of fast forward through my training, I was uh, an internal medicine resident at UCSF based at um, San Francisco General Hospital, which is the county hospital in San Francisco. And I was on the ethics committee at that time. And people were talking about, wow, you know, so many of our patients are ending up in the ICU unrepresented. We can't find family or friends. We don't know what to do for them. And they haven't engaged in advanced care planning. They haven't had the opportunity to have a voice in their health care. And we started reviewing the forms that we were handing to people. And they were all written at a postgraduate, past college reading level with teeny tiny eight-point font, um, you know, 0.5 margins. And they were barely legible to us, much less to our patients. And so I took on this project to try to simplify these advanced directives while still making them legal and actionable. And so that was sort of a two-year process, and we, we, we made this easy-to-read advanced directive, and we actually did a randomized control trial um, because the hospital wanted us to basically show that it was beneficial in research before they accepted it. And I would say that that's how I became interested in research, realizing that sometimes you have, you know, it's, it's probably a good idea to uh, very 
carefully research something and make sure it's not going to harm patients, make sure that it's the right thing. And we did that. And we did the randomized control trial. It was wildly positive. Um, people preferred the easy to read form. We doubled our completion rates. Uh, everyone except for one person completed the easier to read form. So that was great. And I thought it had solved the problem in advanced care planning. <laughs> I thought, oh, if I had just, if just give, exactly like, oh, this is great. And if I just give everyone the, this easy to read advanced directive, problem solved. We've shown in our studies that by giving people easy to read information, like the easy to read advanced directive, you do. A lot of people can engage in advanced care planning. But the more research, and I think this is why the research is so important, we went back into the community, we talked with patients, we talked with their families, we talked with people who had been through these very difficult experiences, either with serious illness or with the end of life, and we asked them, like, what else do you need? And they told us, like, we need more preparation to even start this conversation. We need more preparation to know, like, it's, it's a tall order to ask somebody, hey, what are your values and preferences? Most people don't know. And, like, we've got to take a step back. We need help identifying what's important to us. We need help sort of figuring out how do we start these conversations with our family and friends. And then we need help talking to the doctor. How do we stand up for ourselves knowing what's important to us so that we can ask the right questions? And we can get the care that's right for us. And from the caregiver's perspective, how do I find out this information and how, how can I be the best advocate? And so I would say sort of my clinical passions wound up sort of coming into the research that I do. And, and, you know, it's been a powerful thing because I think the research, when you show that it, it actually works and you get input directly from the community, um, it can have a large impact. That's what I love. It, we were talking the other night and I was like, so how did your research impact your bedside manner, your clinical practice? And what you said was so beautiful. You said actually your clinical practice um, in, impacted your research because Absolutely. you were you have hands on, you see some of the issues on an ongoing basis and you wanted to solve it to have uh, some things to back up what you on a daily basis were experiencing in front and with patients in the healthcare environment that we live in, which I thought it was beautiful. Let me just go back with the, you know, the easy use forms. You not only did that for California, you did that for all 50 states with the lawyer to make them legal. So these easy forms, y'all really dove into something. Yeah. So we, you know, most of the stuff that we do is on a shoestring budget. And so we had created these forms for California and it had been my dream for the last 13 years that, you know, these, so these forms have been in California in 10 different languages and we wanted to do the formative work that you needed to make these available for all 50 states. But to do that, because there's different laws, every different state has its own laws for advanced care planning, we had to get funding. And so I'm so thankful we got funding from the Gordon Betty Moore Foundation to work with our colleagues at UC Hastings School of Law to delve into these, you know, the legal code for every state. And we've you know, been able to update these forms in English and Spanish. We're starting to roll them out. So we've rolled out five. I think at the end of this month, we'll have another five. And the idea is that by by the springtime, all 50 states will be available on um, the website. 
The other thing that's really exciting to us, and we'll talk a little bit about the PREPARE website, but the funding from the Gordon Betty Moore Foundation has allowed us to really integrate the easy-to-read advanced directives right into the website, um, which we can talk about. Well, when you say easy, so tell me what that means. Yeah. So I think when we think about health literacy, sometimes people will think, oh, well, that's just somebody's reading level. And, and we just need to make the reading level easy and then we can get more people. But even somebody with a very high literacy, when they are faced with a difficult emotional, you know, decision or something that's going on in their life where they're sick or experiencing serious illness or something like thinking about end of life is just scary or medical decision making can be scary. It can make it hard to process that information. So when we think about health literacy, it's reading, it's writing, it's being able to, to get in the information, but also process it. So I think when we think about things that are easy, what are the ways that we can write this information so it's just literally in plain language? We aren't using fancy, as you call it, med speak or legal, right. legal speak. We're talking living room, kitchen table language that we all use so that we're not guessing as to like what's going on here and what are the decisions in front of me. And I think the way that we've thought about the advanced directives and the prepare website is how can we also present that information sort of step by step so that people don't feel overwhelmed. They can do little bits at a time when they're ready to do them. um, And it sort of helps with processing information and making informed decisions. I think, I always kind of liken it back to doing, you know, our taxes. You know, I can do the, we can, there's a lot going on in the world right now about taxes, but it's the way that the taxes currently are. You can kind of do the hard forms yourself, or you could do something, you know, like a tax program that sort of walks you through it step by step. And it's a lot easier. So even though I could do my taxes the hard way, I choose to do it an easier way right. because it makes it easier. Well, and, and you bring up this whole healthcare literacy, what I call med speak. Um, in, in, you know, no offense uh, to those working uh, in the healthcare environment. I mean, medical school, you learn 60,000 different words. That's mm-hmm. an entirely different language. Mm-hmm. Um, and so sometimes when you're educated and you're trying to talk about what is actually going on with the patient that med speak is like a foreign language to the person in front of you. Right. And what I, what I love about prepare is that you actually are empowering the community member, the patient Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. to say, look, you have got, if you do not understand, it is your right to say, Hey, I don't understand what you're telling me. And so many people, because of that doctor nurse, um, we don't, ask, hey, I don't understand, or say we don't understand. What are some of the ways that um, PREPARE is really empowering the individual to stand up and advocate for themselves? Yeah. Well, you know, uh, just to take a step back to, I think, you know, one of the things I think that drives me as, you know, I see myself as a patient advocate. And even though I'm a physician, you know, geriatrician, palliative care physician, I'm also a daughter, a niece, mm. a grandchild. And I have been in situations with my own family members where they did not have a voice to stand up for themselves. And, you know, I kind of, I call this sort of this righteous indignation. Like that's just not okay. 
And there, I have many people, many colleagues who are working very hard to help clinicians communicate more effectively, you know, and, and all of those things. And I think in the meantime, while we're waiting for, you know, the overhaul of, you know, medical training, we've got to give, pe- you know, tools into the hands of people right now who are dealing with, you know, making hard decisions. So that's really sort of the impetus behind that. And I think, you know, in terms of prepare, I think one of the things that was really important to us is that we, again, we went out to the community and we talked to patients and caregivers and we asked them, what do you need to be empowered? And what do you need to be able to speak up for yourself? And what kind of information sort of would be helpful? And, you know, I think we learned when we're thinking about advanced care planning that people again said, well, you know, it's not just about end of life, but how do I make decisions today? How do I stand up? You know, how do I know what's important to me and then stand up? Well, what if it's about blood pressure medication or chemotherapy? How am I supposed to make that decision and ask the right questions of the doctor? And so when we think about prepared, yes, it is about advanced care planning for serious illness and end of life, but it's also for how people right now today can sort of, you know, stand up for themselves and have a voice and that their family members can feel empowered to do that. So I think, you know, some of the ways that we tried to sort of wrap this into prepare is that we wanted it again to have easy lay language in English and Spanish so that people can do this at home on their own time with their own families. So that's the first thing. You don't have to wait for a clinician. You don't have to wait for your health system to give this to you, people can go to it right now. And I think the other way that we wanted to empower people is that we wanted to give them video stories. And these are stories that come straight from the patients and caregivers that we talk to that show people how to do something. So for example, you know, it's a hard ask to say, oh, well, you should just ask your doctor that question and speak up for yourself. Or, hey, you really should go home and choose a surrogate, you know, medical decision maker. And that is great and that is true, but people often don't know how to do that. The high bar, that's a lot of activation energy for people to feel empowered to even do that. So we wanted to sort of what I call decreasing that activation energy and making it easy by having video stories that don't just tell people what to do, but show people exactly how to do it. So, for example, there are videos about people thinking through um, how and why they would choose particular decision makers. And then there's videos that show someone asking someone else to be their decision maker. And then we actually give people the words they could use if they wanted to start that conversation with someone else. And if all else fails, we wanted the videos to serve as something so that you could just sit down with your loved one and hit the play button and watch it together. So even if you can't say it, the video can can say it for you. Um, so in addition, sort of prepare, you know, prepare to make this easier, as I was talking about from the health literacy standpoint, is that it walks people through a step-by-step process. So there's five steps, and people can do one step. People can do step three. People can do step four. People can do all five steps. It's really up to them. Um, I will say that, you know, the, the different steps are choosing a decision maker, you know, defining what's most important in life and learning how to talk to your family and friends. I just want to put in a plug because you asked about empowerment. Step five is asking doctors the right questions. 
And so we really wanted to end this for advanced care planning. It's great that you define your surrogate and your values, but then how do you make sure that you get the care that's right for you? And so mm-hmm. that sort of, sort of walked into that. Um, so, uh, yeah. And I think again, it was really important for us to make our materials available and free to the public. And so the website is there. We have free pamphlets. I like to call it the cliff notes of the prepare website. Right. There's, there's just the questions that people don't want to go through the website or watch the videos. They just want to look at the questions. And I think one of the things that we've created, we're really excited about to try to empower communities is that we created what we're calling prepare movie toolkits. And so prepare is a website and people can go through it methodically and answer values questions about themselves. And those values questions can be printed out into a summary and also can be integrated into these advanced directives. But prepare can also, we set it up so you can play it like a movie. And so the idea is that you could have someone in the community, and we've done some of these studies that people have been able to do this with no prior advanced care planning training at all in a community center, a senior center, a place of worship, or a library. You can just play the prepare movie and get people engaged in group events. You can play the prepare movie for yourself, or you can bring people together to watch it. And it's been um, a powerful sort of experience. But again, another way to give tools to the community to try to get this groundswell um, of advanced care planning happening. For free. For free. So that brings me to the question. I mean, you, I just learned, you guys are not a staff of 20. No. Um, you you are l- always looking for funding to c- provide this information to free communities. Yeah. Uh, talk to me a little bit about, you know, how how are you making all of this possible? Yeah, um, it is definitely a labor of love. Um, I think we talked that I spent a lot of my nights and weekends sort of working on this. And we've been very um, uh, lucky to have um, fam- family foundation funding. Um, one from the Bechdel Family Foundation, one from the Harmon Family Foundation, and then from the Gordon Betty Moore Foundation that has made this possible. Um, so we really are dependent on, you know, philanthropy and grants to sort of keep going. Um, I have a very close relationship with my um, web developer, David Farrell from People Design, um, who's also in North Carolina, um, who, you know, is a, is a great collaborator and and I think working with him has helped us also kind of keep things going um and you know we have a few few of our staff that we're able to pay to kind of help um keep things going but it is definitely a a bubble gum and toothpick sort of operation (laughs) but it but again I think you know I'm so um I feel so passionate about trying to help people that it's worth to me it's been worth the extra you know, uh, uh, trial and toil to try to keep this free to the public. We do have licensing opportunities. So I think for people to know that, you know, Prepare is not a company. It's something that is through the University of California, San Francisco. And we did it that way because we have no conflicts of interest. Um, but I would say organizations who would like to use Prepare in more, um, individual ways, for example, putting their own hospital logo on it or doing research projects with Prepare or helping us help them figure out if 
their advanced care planning um, uh, 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 pilots are actually working, we can oh, enter. Wow. In, we can enter into license agreements um, with them, and that's another way that we can kind of help keep prepare going and free to the public. That's amazing. And I encourage anyone out there, don't reinvent the wheel. There's some great advanced care planning programs out there. Prebear is unique in some of this video and, and licensing aspects, but there are a lot of different ways to see this whole advanced care planning movement. So don't reinvent the wheel. You have experts <laughs> that have done the research <laughs> that can help with this literacy things. And I really highly encourage you to tap into those and prepare as one of those. So look, when I went to the website, I saw that you could log in. What does that mean? Yeah. So people can use the website as a guest and just go in and, and use it um, and go through the whole program and get their summary of their wishes and print that out and save a PDF or, you know, on their own. They can also log in if they choose to. And the reason to do that is if they do log in, Prepare can save their answers. And that way, if they ever go back to the program and want to update their advanced directive, or they say they're in New York and they complete their advanced directive and then they're, you know, vacationing or spending part of the year in Florida and they want to they update their Florida advanced directive, they could always go back to the program and re-download that or change things or say that they've gone to step one and they only want to do step one. They want to save their answers and come back and do step two at a different time. Prepare will save their answers. And I think it's important for people to know that we take security and confidentiality very seriously. And so all of this information is kept on super secure servers. They're called HIPAA compliant servers um, to make sure that all of that information stays safe and confidential and private. But, but you, but you you don't upload your advanced care planning to prepare. This is a vehicle to help you download your documents and pr walk you through the steps of what you might and might not want, correct? Exactly. So it'll walk people through a series of values questions. I think this is maybe one of the other things that's unique about Prepare as well, is because we've integrated the legal advanced directive piece, which is often a series of checkboxes, and we've combined it with the values information about what is important to people, who are they as a person, what are the stories that are important about them that they want people to know about them, so that at the end, as people are going through the website, it will compile all of this, the checkboxes and advanced directives and the personal stories into a legal document. Um, and I think that's sort of what's unique. I often say that we often, as clinicians, get the, the what in these forms, but we don't get the why of these forms. And I think for your loved ones and for your clinicians, Having an opportunity to add in the why is really important. So people can decide. It's really up to them. They can go through the prepare program and do, you know, answer the why questions and the values questions. They can go directly to completing the advanced directive step by step on the, the website, or they can just download the form and print it out 
and, and fill it out on a piece of paper if that's what they feel more comfortable doing. Well, and I can't stress how important the why is. Yeah. I mean, I was talking to my late grandmother and she goes, well, your dad and um, Kathy know what I want. And I'm like, well, dad, what what does she want? And he's like, huh, I don't know. I mean, because I think that the why in, in the values around um, what people want at end of life re- uh, or enhance, mm -hmm. you know, the commitment to do it. Now, there's many people who sign these advanced care planning documents and never have a conversation and probably don't even have an, even have a conversation with their healthcare power attorney who's representing them. Um, and that's not, I think we're trying to change that. Yeah. We're trying to say, have you self-reflect and prepare does that with the values. You talk about it. You talk to your healthcare power of attorneys. You talk. You sit down and have a conversation. Then you fill this out, and so that we can know when some a healthcare crisis comes, that everyone is on the same page. Right. Because that's that's what's happening. Is no one's on the on the right page when you get into a crisis, and then you have this whole family dynamic in the ICU waiting room that tends to prolong suffering if the conversation has not been had. Right. And, and, and I, you know, I like to say that when I think about advanced care planning, it, you know, it's a way to have a voice in your healthcare. And the way that you do that is how can we preserve our stories so that who we are in our own humanity gets pulled into these medical decisions that we might make for ourselves or that somebody else might have to make for us. And it's making sure that our human stories are factored into that. That's a great point. Because you know what, what matters most might not be an antibiotic to deal with that infection. It just might be family members around my bed. Mm -hmm. um, and that, that's interesting. That's a, that's a great, great point. So how do people find PREPARE? Before I say that, I just want to put in a plug that, again, people might know because you brought up the research, that if people... Um, uh, want to know if things work. We want, we also wanted to know that it, it worked and didn't harm people, right? So we've actually, we've done studies in the community in low income senior centers and basically showed that from uh, one week pre to post, people increased their engagement in advanced care planning from 40% to 100%. So they weren't thinking about it or talking about it. And, and one week later, that increased 100%. And then we actually just published this last year in GM Internal Medicine, a randomized control trial that compared our easy to read advanced directive versus the advanced directive and prepare with the idea that we, we felt that everybody in the study should get some advanced care planning. There was no, you know, straight control group. And what we found is that the easy to read advanced directive, uh, markedly increased. So, over 90% of people engaged in some form of advanced care planning with the easy-to-read advanced directive and close to 100% of people engaged in some form of advanced care planning if they got prepare. And that was a statistically significant change. And when we looked in the medical record, like how many forms actually got scanned into the medical record, it was 25% with the easy-to-read advanced directive and 35% would prepare. Wow. And when we think about how hard it is to change, first of all, to, to help people get to the point where they're ready to complete an advanced directive, that they feel empowered to bring it into their clinician and the clinician actually scans it into the medical record. We felt like that was a pretty powerful effect. Oh, don't think it is. 
That is, that's huge results. Absolutely. And that's, that's why I'm falling in love with prepare because I really <laughs> am. It's, it's, I, you don't realize how data um, really can impact and, you know, being involved with an advanced care planning program where I used to work, we, we always would educate people and we thought we had really great material and we did, but we never could track was, did people actually do it? And you guys are doing that, which is really, really cool. Um, but back to your question about where can people get it. So if people go to prepareforyourcare.org, they can get access to all these tools. They can get access to the Prepare website and the Prepare movie and all the materials they can download for free. Well, what if they're also individuals that actually want to support you? How do they support you either financially or, you know, maybe relationships and licensing? Um, how, how do they get in touch with you when it comes to those things? Anyone who's interested, please reach out. On the face page of the website, there's a support and donate button. So people can always go that route. And there's also a contact information that has um, our, you know, our contact information and people can reach out that way as well. Hats off to you and, and what you're doing in San Francisco. Once again, San Francisco is being talked about on the East Coast. You guys are amazing. I was just out there um, with the InWell conference and I'm sorry I wasn't able to meet you. I know you, you were professing somewhere else. Um, but I can't, I can't express my gratitude for what you and your small team um, are and how you're making a really, really big impact, not just in San Francisco, not just in California, but the United States and even the world. So whatever I can do to support you guys, please let me know. Well, thank you so much. And it really, it's been really great getting to know you and hearing your story. And thank you for all the work that you're doing to get the word out about this. And it was really an honor to be on the podcast today. Well, thanks for your time and um, really enjoyed the conversation. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye. Thanks for joining us today. And remember, you're the designer.